Our gospel begins with a question. Lord, will only a few people be saved? We'll talk about how our Lord answers it, but first, let's just talk a little bit about that word saved. We use it in all kinds of different ways and contexts. We speak of saving like a Microsoft Word document on our computer. That just means we're storing the data there so we can access it later. We talk about saving money. That just means we're spending less and setting it aside for, for later. Even in baseball, we talk about a relief pitcher saving a game, earning a save, because he retires the side in the final inning of a close game, preserves the win. But the original meaning of the word save is to rescue from danger. So a firefighter, for instance, who runs into a burning building and rescues somebody trapped there, we would say they saved that person. It's in this original sense that we use the word save in Christianity. Because we were in dire straits before Jesus Christ with the fall of our first parents, sin, suffering, and death entered the world, and in a very loose sense, the devil had dominion over, over the earth. But even after the sin of Adam, God didn't abandon us. He promised a Savior, one who would deliver us from sin and death and the devil. And that Savior is Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son made man, like us in all things but sin. And he saves us by going to Calvary and dying on a cross, atoning for our sins and winning the grace that makes us the adopted sons and daughters of God. And then when he rises to new life, um, he, he wins for us this, this grace of heaven, of paradise. And salvation, right, it's something that we must accept and cooperate with, as we'll see. But this is the basic context of, of what it means to talk about salvation in Christianity. Now back to this question, how does Jesus answer it? He doesn't directly answer it. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter but will not be strong enough. It's as if our Lord were saying, do not worry about how many people will end up in heaven and how many will end up in hell. What we should be concerned about is our own soul, salvation of our own soul and those entrusted to our care, parents to children, priests to parish, etc. We need to be concerned about our own soul because the road to heaven is a narrow one, a difficult one. Heaven is not easily won. Now, I could imagine the objection, why is the gate so narrow? Why is the road to heaven so hard? Why, if God is all good and loving, is hell even a possibility? And there's a couple important truths we need to keep in mind when asking questions like these. First, as we read in, in 1 Timothy, God wills all to come to salvation in the knowledge of truth. And we get a glimpse of that in our first reading, where God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks of people of every nation uh, and language and tongue coming into his kingdom. He wants us to be saved, but he'll also respect our freedom. He won't force anybody through that narrow gate. Even still, somebody could object, 
Why not make the gate wide and the road broad? The hard truth is we are the reason the gate's narrow. Because of our hardness of hearts, because we don't want to change. And the road to heaven is all about change, transformation. First and foremost, it comes from accepting and cooperating with his grace, without which there's no salvation. And it's this life of grace. Ordinarily begins at baptism and is strengthened through the other sacraments and prayer that enables us to believe all that God has revealed to be true, to try and conform our life to this teaching, to this truth, to repent of our sins and strive to grow in virtue, to strive to love God and our neighbor as ourself. Then if you add to this equation the fact that we're fallen creatures in a fallen world, we begin to see why the road to heaven would be one of sacrifice and struggle of dying to self. In other words, a narrow gate and a hard road to travel. You know, sometimes our Protestant brothers and sisters will say, well, if I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then I'm saved. I know absolutely that I'm saved, and I can never lose that salvation. But if it were enough to say Jesus is my Lord and Savior and have this absolute assurance of salvation, then in what sense could we call the road narrow? Or what are we to make of those who attempt to enter but aren't strong enough? Now, what Jesus says about the narrow gate, it is echoed throughout Scripture. I'll just use one example. St. Paul in Philippians says, we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling, seeking to repent and do God's will. Salvation is an ongoing process. It begins ordinarily at baptism. God willing, it will end when we enter paradise. It's a lifelong process, and it's dangerous to presume we have heaven in the bag. It's dangerous to think we don't need to struggle against sin and strive after virtue. Heaven isn't easily won, but that reality can't discourage us because God gives us every assistance we need to get to heaven, to be the saints he created us to be. And I'm just going to talk about two, but there are several we could name. First, there's the virtue of hope. The Christian virtue of hope gives us the confidence of receiving the grace necessary to reach heaven, eternal life, of being strong enough to enter through that narrow gate. And the grounds of the hope, the reason for our hope, is God, that he's all-powerful, that he's all-good, that he's faithful to his promises. It is by relying on his strength that we will enter through the narrow gate. And so we ought to have confidence that he will bring to completion the good work he has begun in us as long as we persevere in the faith, as long as we seek to love God and neighbor, strive to do his will. Another way God assists us through the narrow gate is with the church. No man is an island. That's true in life. That's true in the faith. We aren't saved as individuals, but as part of a community of believers, a community that assists us and encourages us along the way. Tomorrow starts a new school year at ESU, and we're glad to have students back. And whether you're a a new student or returning one, I would ask you to get involved here. Lots of ways for us to grow in our relationship with Christ. We have Bible studies and retreats. We have... uh, guest speakers and book studies, regular adoration, regular confession, daily mass, lots of things going on. The best way to get involved is to register, and we've made the process easy. So we have business cards in the pews. 
they look like this. They have a QR code on them. They are on the aisles. So if you're seated on an aisle, if you would take them and pass them down to, to the other students. If you scan this QR code, uh, that will take you to a Google form to register for the center uh, and get you plugged in. And then a second step is to text the word DIDDE, D-I-D-D-E, to the number 84576. Um, that will get you on our flock note. And do this even if you were on our flock note last year. So we had, to, we had to erase everybody after the school year. This gets you plugged into um, our system so that we can invite you to all the good things that we have going on. You know, the truth is that God is never outdone with generosity. And if we open our hearts and souls to him, if we, if we persevere in seeking to do his will, then he will give us the grace to bring us through that narrow gate to heaven. Let's be generous this school year in striving to, to grow in our relationship with God and become the saints he created us to be.